all, and welcome to another episode of Game Changers of Health. Today's episode is very relevant as October is National Depression and Mental Health Screening Month. I'm overjoyed to be welcoming Brian Shore, co-founder and CEO of Hero Journey Club. You'll hear more about Brian and Hero Journey Club soon, but if you or anyone you love has ever struggled with mental health, definitely stay tuned for some revolutionary ways Brian and his team are tackling the mental health crisis in a brand new way through gaming. After our interview, I'll take you through a short overview of my own journey with mental health and why gaming in so many ways helped me tackle some of my most challenging times. It's what inspired me to get 21 Gaming off the ground, and I hope some of you out there, especially the moms listening, can relate. I am here today with Brian Shore, CEO and co-founder of Hero Journey Club. Now we're going to get into what Hero Journey Club is and all the great things it's doing for the mental health space. But I have to say, Brian, here at 21 Grams, Hero Journey Club has been on our radar for quite a while. We are big fans. And when we had the opportunity to connect with you, we all were just thrilled. So, so happy to have you here. Really excited to have you talk about what it is what you're up to and and how you got here. So thank you so much for coming on. Of course. Thank you for having me. And I'm so excited to be here. Great. So Brian, tell us a little bit about who you are. What is Hero Journey Club? How did you get it started? All that good stuff. Yeah, happy to. Um, so I'm Brian, CEO and co-founder at Hero Journey Club. And uh, we provide mental health services for folks inside of video games so we have a group-based community-first model where we have groups of five people meet inside of games like Minecraft, uh, Stardew Valley, Animal Crossing, et cetera. Um, that's facilitated by a journey guide who is a licensed um, mental health provider, either a master's or doctorate level clinician. But the work that we're doing and the support they provide is subclinical. Um, and so most of the time, folks are coming to us to build a sense of connection and rapport. Um, I'll share a bit about background about myself because uh, the way we got here is a little bit meandering. And so I've been in the digital health space now for about the last decade. Uh, and in past life, I thought I wanted to be a clinician, spent a lot of time in the lab, spent a lot of time doing research and fell in love with technology and its ability to be able to serve people in their moments of deepest need. And so I actually worked on uh, Hippocrates, which is the first mobile app in the iPhone app store for clinical use. Wow. And, um, and have since then worked on everything from computer vision technology to detect Alzheimer's all the way over to um, kind of the more boring backend infrastructure for insurance companies and health systems, et cetera. And so the journey to mental health was an interesting one because my last company I founded was uh, a cancer AI company. We had raised like $60 million to build that out. And it became really clear that a lot of what we see in terms of chronic conditions generally, uh, not necessarily in cancer, but uh, but broadly, have a huge behavioral component that isn't really addressed by a current healthcare system. Mm -hmm. And became really clear when I myself had really intense panic attacks and uh, intense anxiety that I couldn't manage. And then having to go seek out care myself was a nightmare. It took like four months on a wait list. They didn't take insurance. Uh, it costs $350 for intake hall. And then after that, it would be $250 per session. And they told me it would take two years before I could get any symptom relief. And I was floored. I was like, how is this possible? How do people afford this? 
And so that journey led me to like to explore further what what is actually happening in mental health uh, more broadly. So I, for two and a half years, rotated as a chief product officer across a few different companies in the space, working with everybody from more policy folks um, to folks on the insurance side, providing care on the payer end. Uh, and it was also had a product and an opiate addiction company, helping folks get access to um, MAT who are struggling with meth and heroin addiction. And it was actually at that company where a doctor pulled me aside one day and she shared a quote from Gabor Mate. And she said that a lot of times in the world of addiction, we talk a lot about why the addiction, but we never ask why the pain. Like we talk about the mm-hmm. meth, how they got the meth, what it does to your, your neural system. But we never ask why this mother of three continues to go back to this tool that no longer serves her. And in this exploration, it opened up a much bigger question of, well, what really is mental health? Uh, what is mental illness? If 40% of people have some kind of diagnosable mental illness in their lifetimes, and most of that is mild, moderate depression, anxiety, you got to look at that and say, is it really a biological issue at that point? Or is it something else outside of us making us sick, right? And what if the reality is that um, for folks with mild, moderate you know, depression, anxiety, again, taking folks with SMI aside, like bipolar, schizophrenia, those are deep psychiatric needs that are treated with, uh, with psychiatry and intensive care. But for folks who are just feeling a little off, or folks who feel like they're lacking a sense of purpose, what if that's actually a normal and expected response to us living in a society that just devalues us as humans and sees us as machines whose parts are broken? And instead of routing people to get medication to fix broken brain chemistry, what if the reality is that actually it's something much bigger than this? And it's you know the reality that we're taken advantage of by corporations who ask us to buy things that we don't need to make people happy we don't want. And as adults, you know, we can see this and we can say like, oh yeah, that's that's the way it is. It's silly and we can get help and care and we have friends and loved ones. But when you're a young adult, when you're a teenager, when you're in your 20s, a lot of times that pain is turned inwards. And a lot of what we see is self-harm, suicidality, drug use at rates we've never seen before. And this is more true than any other previous generation. And so it opens up this question again, is like, what if what if they're one of the root causes of what we see as mental illness actually is loneliness? What if people are really looking for a sense of belonging and connection? And can we start there and help people anchor in connection and then find find the support they need to be able to work through the challenges in life? And we can get more into detail about what that means and why, why gaming is such a powerful vehicle for this. But it really comes down to how do you help meet people where they are and how do you pull out the humanity in them and help them recognize the the beauty that's there and how do you help create a sense of collective support and the collective healing rather than individual brokenness. Uh, and I think there's a shift there, particularly in our healthcare system where frankly, most of the health, the mental health system is not made to be accessible. It costs too much. It's mostly centered in like the urban cities. And most of the principles of therapy were developed in the 50s and 80s before the internet even existed. So for young adults coming up in the digital worlds today, it's almost a completely different worldview that they need uh, in terms of supporting Mm -hmm. the challenges that they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Incredible. There's so much that we could, this podcast could be very, very long, but I want to uh, go back to what you said around why gaming is a good vehicle for combating loneliness. Mm. I, as a a 36-year-old woman, have turned to gaming myself to battle anxiety, and I have seen it as such a a positive part of my journey in mental health, uh, particularly, and I've been very open about this with my postpartum journey, Mm. I turned to moms in my 
Discord and we would hop on and play Overcooked or Animal Crossing and <laughs> say, oh my gosh, it's 3 a.m. We've been up all night. Let's blow off some steam. Yeah. Not really realizing what we were doing was a form of, of of group therapy and support for one another in a place that gives us immense joy. So would love to hear your point of view on on gaming at large as a as a vehicle for this. There's obviously still so much stigma out there around yeah. the negative or, or perceived negative uh, effects of gaming. And to see it used for good, I think, is such a great way to discount a lot of that and uh, mm. open people's eyes to the benefits that exist. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess to get personal for, I mean, gaming in many ways for myself and for a lot of my family and friends growing up was a safe refuge, particularly for people who were othered, like marginalized uh, ethnic groups, folks who are low income, folks who are neurodivergent. Um, gaming is a way for you to find a sense of support and, uh, and anonymity in a world that wasn't designed for you uh, in many ways. And many of us, I think, uh, I mean, the old school days of like RuneScape and MapleStory and uh, <laughs> EverQuest the IRL chats and like the forums were kind of where we got such connection. And even now, my youngest cousin, who's a, he's an internationally ranked esports player in Valorant, wow. um, like the, these are the social interactions that that form their friendships. And and two of my cousins actually met their their best men at their wedding for the very first time because they met inside of games before, and uh, and that's how they just connected. And it's so much more than a hobby for a lot of folks. It's in many ways, it's the a new form of social fabric. And so in ways, back in the 90s and the 2000s, we'd go to the mall, we'd go to the bookstore. Now you go into Fortnite, now you go into Discord. And I think as we think about the context of what mental health really is, social interactions and social connection is such a key piece of how we how we perceive and how we navigate our our own sense of mental well-being. And so in that sense alone, the fact that it is a third space with social interaction and a gathering point where people even in the few surveys and studies have come out, many people say they feel more themselves, more authentically themselves inside of these games than do, they do in real life because there's no limitations on kind of how you show up. And it provides a lot of um, leeway for folks to be able to explore topics that would otherwise be really difficult to do in real life. And I can talk about kind of what this means and tactically in terms of the care and, and the science behind it and, and kind of what we see as impact, but just meeting people where they are, where they feel more themselves, you can unlock a huge access to healing that otherwise is is hard to do when you're filling out insurance forms, driving mm -hmm. to a place, sitting on a couch, crying in front of this person who you don't know, uh, with the tissue box and the awkwardness and discomfort that it comes with. Um, if you're going to be doing this anyway, and you're already here with your friends, it ends up being a, like a shortcut almost to the parts of yourself that otherwise wouldn't show up. Mm -hmm. And when you're paying $200 an hour, it's a very expensive path to take. Mm -hmm. And what sort of... Um challenges perhaps have you met in establishing Hero Journey Club? What were some of the the barriers that presented itself and how did you get through those? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many. Um, so Hero Journey Club actually is the ninth company slash product we launched wow. in a year and a half, my co-founder and I. And we actually started trying to figure out how do we help people deepen relationships and social connections. And we, at the very beginning, did interviews with 500 people across the world, from like Latvia to Japan to uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. We like put ads up in Craigslist and just asked people, how did you form friendships? What does friendship mean to you? And we talked to barbershops in Harlem and yoga studios and church groups and Bible studies. Like, How do people build resilience? And one of the big things we came across that made those first few iterations 
not work is that people just didn't have friends. Um, the reality is that when we ask you, well, how do you build friendships? They're like, well, I, I'm not sure, actually. And I'm not sure I do have friends. And I'm not sure what that looks like in this new modern world. And that was kind of the hurdle of like, how do we get to this core social problem that has really deep medical implications? Mm -hmm. um, the second challenge area is really around the science and the stigma around mental health in gaming. This is belief that gaming leads to bad mental health when in reality it's an escape for a lot of people who are looking for reprieve um, from the stressors of life and, and otherwise. And there's an awesome study that came out from Stanford recently that demonstrated no correlation of violence in mm -hmm. video games. And it's so interesting that we still hear this narrative mm. repeat over and over again because people don't understand it. And there are a lot of clinicians in the space who are staunchly uh, opposed to anything new. Like they think that the way to fix this is through medication and through intensive care with a, a psychiatrist, psychologist. And for a subset of people who have, again, SMI, it's it's very, very real. And uh, and there are a lot of amazing therapies and treatments that have been developed that are evidence-based that we know to work. They're just really expensive to deploy and they're really hard to get access to, in particularly in areas where there are not enough clinicians. And the reality is that there's a lot of misunderstanding around what gaming is and people just don't quite understand it despite there being 2.8 billion gamers worldwide, uh, mm -hmm. there's it's still a thing that people don't really quite talk about. And so those are kind of like the big uh, buckets. But the reality is also that the reason why it works and why it's so compelling is that our community has been so incredibly supportive of the work we do. And they kind of help us form the world that they want to see for themselves and for each other. And so we have a community now of almost 11,000 people who joined in the last year or so. Wow. Um, and they build these worlds in Minecraft and they build these like small exercises in Animal Crossing and Stardew Valley that are ways that they can find healing through these narratives and through these worlds that they can't get here. And so people have made Dungeons & Dragons games that represent what it's like to have difficult conversations with as someone with autism. Um, we've had people create comic book series for how to label the emotions in your your mind. And these are things that like you don't learn in, in counseling programs. And it's hard to kind of scaffold. But when you unlock that ability for them to create this world of healing for each other, it leads to such a more cathartic and also more relatable path of, of support that makes you feel less alone. It's incredible. What's some of the feedback that you've gotten from the practitioners who moderate these groups? Mm -hmm. Are most of them new to gaming or are they, mm -hmm. you know, therapists that you found that are gamers? So this just is squarely in their wheelhouse. I'm so curious yeah. for their perspective. It's a mix. Um, and so we have about, we have almost 50 therapists on staff at this point. And our chief clinical officer is a renowned psychologist who's spent most of his career validating new platforms in mental health at Talkspace, at Mindbloom, at Noom. And so for us, it was really important to anchor in clinical rigor at the, at the very beginning, despite being a subclinical resource, but also at the same time, understanding that a key piece of that is a therapeutic rapport that you get with people through gaming. And so it happens that our first few journey guides were also internationally ranked esports players, you know, Overwatch and and Valorant, and uh, they themselves have been hiding this piece of them, of them through right. their doctoral programs at Stanford, through uh, mm -hmm. their counseling programs, and when we finally had an opportunity to to bridge the two, they felt like uh, they can finally prove wrong all the people who told them that this was a, a silly use of their time. Uh, and so most of our journey guides are gamers. We have a lot of tabletop gamers, a lot of D&D folks, a lot of folks who are, uh, are really into role-playing. And we also have a handful of people who just see the power in working with clients in a new modality, particularly folks who are young adults or who are neurodivergent, who find it easier to open up in these spaces. And so I'd say like um, a good 85, 90% of them are gamers, um, and even more so 
our journey guides also represent the diversity of our community. So like about half of them are queer, a lot of them are neurodivergent. We have a lot of folks of color, a lot of men. And again, people who've been othered by a healthcare system that wasn't designed for them. And a lot of them tell us that the sessions themselves feel like self-care more than they feel like work. Uh-huh. And on the other side, our journeyers tell us that we're the kindest place on the internet that they've come across. And of course, that's due to them. Like they're the ones who are showing up in such a affirming and a supportive way. Um, but it's just been this beautiful synergy on both sides. Yeah. Wow. It's incredible. And if we can just get a little uh, rudimentary for a second, can you just give us a typical example of what a session is? How many people are there? How long does it last? Is there like a structure to it? Yeah, absolutely. So usually people find us through word of mouth or through our ads on Facebook or Instagram. Um, They'll join, they'll sign up on our website and it is a $30 a week subscription. You cancel anytime, no strings attached. And we genuinely mean it. The first session is half off and and they'll tell us a bit about what they're looking for. So what their mental health challenges are, like their age, the games that they play, um, the schedule and when they're available and any specific needs they have. Like some people want to be matched with veterans. Some people want to be matched with other parents. And so we'll try our best to match as close as we can. But it's actually very difficult to match on all the criteria. But we, we try our best and we do a pretty good job. And they'll get matched uh, as fast as we can, usually within the span of like one or two weeks, sometimes even within a few days. And they'll meet with their group. Um, we'll share the context and the credentials of their journey guide so they know who they're working with and, and all the background that they bring. Um, and the group is usually five people. They will meet inside of a game that they all share. So a lot of times this is Animal Crossing, Stardew Valley, and Minecraft. But we have people in Valheim and Genshin Impact. A few people played uh, Elden Ring. I don't know how they were able to do it, but they really <laughs> enjoyed it. And so we say, you do you. And uh, at the same time, they're inside of Discord. And so we have a public Discord server that's psychoeducational focused. It has almost 11,000 people. And then we have several um, private Discord servers behind the scenes where it's only for journeyers. It's a private group of five people. You're showing up pseudonymously. And so no one knows who you are in real life, except for us. Like we have to know for, for regulatory and safety reasons, if we need sure. to send paramedics to you, et cetera. But we don't share any of that context. And they'll meet inside these games and they meet for an hour and a half each week and they they stay for as long as they they feel like they need it. On average, across all of our cohorts, it's been very surprising, but across all of our members, people stay on average almost eight months with us. Uh, we expect to stay for four weeks, but they wow. find so much value that they they keep supporting it and supporting each other. And our first ever group that we launched back in February of last year is still with us now, almost two years in, like a year and a half into this. And uh, it's been incredible. And uh, the structure usually varies depending on kind of what topic they're working on and what themes they're working on. But generally, we'll structure it as like uh, an intro. You can share whatever it is about yourself that you want to bring into the group. Uh, We'll do kind of a grounding exercise and kind of work through kind of stuff that's come up in the week. Uh, And they'll pick a theme or topic that comes up. Like sometimes they want to work on themes related to addiction, sometimes on like borderline personality disorder, sometimes on just like grieving and coping. It really varies. And again, we don't treat, we don't diagnose. And so Mm -hmm. we kind of invite people to show up as whatever they want to. And the group is there to help each other work through it. And oftentimes, I know people always say they want worksheets, but when you actually get the worksheet, it feels so it feels so dry. And so the things we found most helpful actually are the stories of other people healing mm. and kind of supporting you and realizing that you're not alone. And so that's kind of how it works. And then in parallel, people can do events and engage in our Discord server. So we've had like karaoke nights and movie nights and gaming. And you have a community of people who are also working on their mental health, who you know is is working with someone professionally to kind of get support. Um, and you have that safety net. That's incredible. I love that you've you've not only created a a healthcare service, but you've created a, a community mm. and the two go hand in hand. 
So going to ask you the either the very easy or the very hard question, but what do you hope to see in the future? What would success look like uh, at the end of this journey or when when you one day hand over the reins uh, of Hero Journey Club? What do you hope to see? I think the first thing is changing the narrative of what mental health is and taking it from something that's very clinical and almost disempowering to a lot of people and moving it back into communities and helping people who are working through these challenges own it and also work through it in a way that's not only cathartic, but also empowering. So we have a, a principle of spiraling upwards, like help people lift each other up, which is not to say that we we always hold space for the hard things, but there's a way to do so in a way that helps you feel like you're in control and lifting up. And And so we are trying to create this middle category of self-clinical support that's not quite self-help, but also not as intensive enough as working with like a clinician in like a treatment or a diagnosis setting, but almost like a Peloton or a Soul Cycle or CrossFit, a mental health, where like the whole point is like you're working your health, but also you're here together. And that's as important as the work itself. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, there's this huge stigma around gaming still, and there's a lot of toxicity in gaming compared to the average population. There's a higher incidence of mental illness in gamers. And so being able to bridge the gap and take care to the places where they are, I think is going to be super important. And so there are folks doing great work in the space. I caught up with Ryan Douglas from Deep Wealth Therapeutics yesterday, and to be able to work with the FDA to get approval for gaming platforms that are therapeutic in nature are super important. And there's tons of research now coming out about how we can use the, the dopaminergic response to rewire reactions to different stimuli and different triggers. And, and there's some really cool stuff coming that will truly validate this ecosystem, this platform as a, as a therapeutic modality that we haven't explored before. And the third one, which is kind of, it's a little bit more fuzzy, but Honestly, it's a sense of hope. Um, a lot of people who come by our doors tell us that we are the first place that they feel actually cares about them. Mm. Um, it's a place where they feel like not only are they being cared for, but they themselves can pay that forward and create a sense of love and trust for other people who who may be in need of it. Um, and it's just the subtle, small nudges in that direction to help people feel that it's okay to be wholesome. It's okay to to be kind um, has been really rewarding. Yeah. And for folks who really struggle and they hear the call from the void, um, so to speak, it's a way to be able to stay grounded in, in, in the moment and know that you have a, a supportive community around you. And that's been honestly as fulfilling as all the, the papers and the studies and the validations uh, that are happening behind the scenes to make this real. It's incredible. Um, here at Real Chemistry 21 Grams, we are so interested and invested in digital therapeutics. We mm-hmm. love to see when new platforms are being approved uh, by the FDA uh, we are just so all over this space. So it's it's great to see uh, Hero Journey Club being so well received in the industry. And um, I just thank you for all the work that you're doing. You've obviously touched so many lives. Um, where can people find Hero Journey Club? How can they sign up? All of that. Yeah, you can find us online or on our socials, um, herojoinclub.com or herojoin.club. Sign up is pretty pretty straightforward and the first session's half off for anybody who's interested. And then we also have presence on Instagram and Facebook, particularly for the Animal Crossing folks who like to trade their goods on Facebook, where we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll poke around as well. Oh, that's so fun. Well, Brian, thank you so much for being here. Cannot wait to get the word out even more about uh, Hero Journey Club to our clients and our staff here. And I just can't thank you enough for, for sharing everything you've shared today. Likewise. Thank you so much for having us. 
don't know about you, but listening to Brian speak about the importance of spreading awareness of not only Hero Journey Club, but that help is available and is so desperately needed at affordable, accessible ways is really inspiring. I wanted to talk to you all today about my own journey, and you'll notice that we aren't bringing anyone else on from the team today because I wanted to get at the heart of what inspired me to start 21 Gaming. When I had my second baby, Harrison, I dealt with postpartum anxiety and depression in ways that I was not prepared for. I thought as a second-time mom, I had this in the bag. It was going to be a breeze, but it turns out that I was hit with some of the highest highs and lowest lows shortly after giving birth, and I was struggling to find ways to cope. I was very lucky to already have a therapist that I was working with, but I hadn't yet really understood the impact of postpartum anxiety and depression on me as a mom, me as a wife, me as really a human being. And one day I was glued to my couch, breastfeeding Harrison. And for anyone that has either been through the newborn phase or breastfeeding knows that you really can be kind of in this endless cycle of uh, every 45 minutes having to, to feed this little baby. But your hands are free for the most part. And I was really struggling. I felt like I was living in Groundhog Day, very little sleep, the same routine over and over. And I saw my PlayStation controller sitting there and I thought, all right, I've got free hands. I'm going to be breastfeeding him for the next 35, 40 minutes. I'm just going to I'm just going to turn on a game, try to distract myself. And it worked. It worked right away. As soon as I booted up my PlayStation and started playing, all of a sudden I felt comfort. I felt relief. I felt like the stress was <laughs> leaving my body. I was engaged. And I kind of started conducting a little mini experiment for myself that maybe gaming was something that as a very active form of interaction would help me get through those really, really tough early months of, of newborn life. When I came back to work at, uh, at the time, I just started with Real Chemistry. And it was a couple months after I started that I started sharing this story about postpartum and how gaming helped me through that. And a few members of the team thought, you know, hey, there might be something here for others to learn about it. And that really was the impetus for, for getting started. But the reason I wanted to talk about this story today with you all after listening to Brian is I really wish I had had something like Hero Journey Club when I was struggling with this. I had some of my mom friends who we would kind of organically get together in the middle of the night. Overcooked was our game of choice, which is kind of uh, weird given how stressful that game can be, but we got a kick out of it. It brought us together when no one else in the world seemed to be awake. And what Brian's doing with Hero Journey Club is formalizing that and giving people the space and the access to mental health professionals in a medium that feels very safe and secure. And I I just, I truly wish it had been there for me when I was uh, in that moment. So Today's episode really felt full circle to me, and I wanted to share that story with you all so that you can better understand me and why I'm so passionate about this, but also to just give you that extra motivation to check out Hero Journey Club for you or for a loved one and just know that that help is available. So to wrap things up, just want to remind you, you can head to herojourney.club to learn more about Hero Journey Club and to sign up. And you can also check them out on social media at Hero Journey Club. 
Also want to plug that if you or anyone else that you know is suffering from mental health and is in crisis, of course, be sure to reach out to the National Suicide and Crisis Hotline at 988. Thank you all for joining me and Brian today. We have our season finale of the first season of Game Changers of Health coming up next month. And I'm going to be joined by Real Chemistry chairman and founder Jim Weiss for a discussion on entrepreneurship, vision, determination, and why we believe this space in gaming is the future for our industry. Thank you and take care of yourselves and game on.